Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We're glad that you are here today. It's uh, great to be together with God's people in God's house as we worship the Lord together this morning. We have a number of guests with us, and we welcome you especially. You're very important to us, and we're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel very much part of our family as we worship God together. Uh, Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet. I'd like to ask everyone, if you would, to take that and to fill it out. Uh, Just put your name and address and phone number, email address, and check the appropriate box on there, and we would appreciate having that record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could uh, do that, we uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Just a few announcements I'd like to bring to your attention this morning. Uh, First of all, go ahead and put on your calendar on uh, June the 30th, our youth will be having a luau fundraiser after worship service that day. Um, So come with your flowered shirts on and your puka beads and those things, and and, uh, we'll have a good time that day. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, and we're going to be having a pie auction as well. And this is to raise money for the youth, uh, youth camp that will be coming up the next week or the week after that. So um, please put that on your calendar and come expecting a good time. And did I hear that there's going to be a prize for the, the best Hawaiian dancer or <laughs> costume? <laughs> costume. Boy, my, my wheels are already spinning here. <laughs> Okay, so please put that on your calendar, June the 30th, after our worship service, uh, and we'll, uh, it'll be a great time. Let me also remind you that our Wednesday activities are continuing on uh, throughout the summer. Uh, we will be having Children's Choir at 515 and our Simple Summer Supper at 545 and our Bible study at 630 and, and our youth and children's activities at 630 again. Uh, as well, and we hope that you'll come and be with us on Wednesday for these activities. And also, you may notice, uh, may have noticed some people walking around here with red shirts on. Um, these are some of the some of our extreme build folks uh, who went this past week to build a house in uh, McCreary County and Whit- near Whitley City. And folks, it is just remarkable to see what happened this week when we got there. Um, they had done a pre-build, and the, the, the uh, foundation was laid, the walls were up, the, the, um, and, and it was wrapped, but that was it. There was no roof. It was not under roof or anything. Everything was, was left at that point, but by yesterday, everything was done. The family was moved in, and we handed the keys to the new family. Isn't that great? Stand up, Extreme Build, folks. Let me, let's let these people see you. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good job. And I think we have some photos from Extreme Build. Where's, where's my, uh, where's my uh, AV folks here? We got any photos there? All right. You're shaking your head. Are you shaking your head? No. Now you're shaking your head. Yes. No. <laughs> Okay, I guess we don't have photos from the Extreme Build, but uh, we'll get that to you, okay? Uh, Kelsey, come and share with us something about Extreme Build. Um, uh, Dr. Tim asked me to come up and speak about our trip this week, and I just wanted to say that it was a great experience for anybody. No matter your age, there's always something for you to do, and if you bend the rules just a little, you can do a little bit more. (laughs) Well, 
But we all did have a lot of fun on site and off with a lot of extra activities that we did. Um, I was asked to share a story about the family. They have had a lot of trouble after the wife and the family got in a really bad car wreck. And somebody in the community heard their story and donated and wanted to donate $10,000 for them to buy some new furniture. When they asked Shauna to go pick out the furniture, she said, absolutely not. I have all I need. I'm just so grateful for the house. Donate it to something else. Well, they weren't going to do that. And they said that they would, they surprised her yesterday at the, at the dedication and said, um, looked at her and said, you remember that $10,000? And she said, yes. And they said, well, we're, we've set up an account for your education and it's also going to be used for Easton, her son, and Jackson, the baby that's due in October's education. And at that moment, everybody started crying because now she's able to finish her nursing degree and her two kids are going to be able to go to college just because of this extreme build and the community and KBF and everyone that was there. That's what this does. It, it, it helps this community. I don't know if you know that McCreary County is one of the, the 20 poorest counties in the country. And, uh, and so what we do there, just go and, and sharing our time and, and spending a week there, it helps their economy tremendously just being there. And one of the hotels that uh, some of our group was staying in, um, the owner of the hotel told Josh Spate, who was kind of over, over everything, she said, we were able to survive last year because of this week when people came and spent money here at our hotel um, uh, last year. They were able to survive existence just because we were there. So this was a wonderful project, and it, and it shows a lot about this family, this young family who's receiving this house, that they were offered $10,000 worth of furniture, and they turned it down, but yet we're still giving it to them in education. I, I don't know if you know that the, the wife was, was in nursing school when she had this terrible accident, and so that kind of put a hold on her education. So now she's going to be able to finish her education. So that's a great, great work. Thing. What a blessing. What a blessing. Thank you for everybody uh, going and being a part of that. Now, one more announcement today. Um, hmm. What day is today? Is it, oh, the 15th? Oh, 16th, 16th. Oh, it's Father's Day. It's Father's Day. Yeah. Father's Day is today. It's a great day. Um, it's a great day to celebrate the, our fathers and our father figures in our lives. Thank you, ladies, for a wonderful breakfast today. We appreciate uh, so much you uh, sharing, sharing your love for us uh, in that way. And um, fathers, I just want to say that I'm grateful for each of you uh, for the impact that you have on the lives of your children and beyond that as well. And we want to have something really special for you today, I hope. Do we have that? We got that, okay? We want to, we want to do a little video in your honor today, fathers. This is Dad Life. Check me. Gas station glasses, don't care what the masses think about me with my sweet goatee. I'm rocking my dockers with a cuff and a crease. I got that St. John's bank and the clip for my piece. I look nice. I got dozens of dollars and that's right 
It goes straight to my daughters and my wife. I'm a miracle dad, making magic with the checkbook is the talent I have. I roll hard in the yard with a 60-inch cut. Zero turn radius, my neighbors say, what? They be driving by, peeping my landscape. Yo, these greens got nothing on my manscape. Hydrangeas, begonias, crepe myrtles, ornamental turtles. Hold up, is that a weed in my fescue? Oh no, round up to the rescue. It's the dead life, it's the dead life. Take my daughter to the party, it's the dead life. It's the dead life, it's the dead life. Shooting vids of the kids, it's the dead life. Roll up to the splash pad, 10 a.m., my whole minivan we splishy splashy for an hour or two then it's back to the house yeah. prepping for the barbecue brats dogs records whatever get me on the weaver man nobody does it better call me lord of the grill i'm king of the coals nana secret recipe you know how i roll 1080p 16 by 9 i'm rocking man cave status with a screen like mine keep your peanut butter hands off my 50 inch physio pop up the corn roll the disney video it's the dad life it's the dad life playing rough fixing stuff it's the dad life it's the dad life That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's the dad's life. And I, as a dad, I have to say, it's not a bad life. It's great. So thank you so much. Dads, how about standing and let us honor you today? Thank you so much. And as you're standing, everybody else stand and let's greet each other in the name of the Lord.
Please join me in the reading of our responsive reading titled, Forgiveness. God, hear our confessions for our running away from your love to avoid the tug of your call. For preferring the safe, familiar, and certain to the risky, unknown, and mysterious. For failing to believe in the vulnerability of power and the power of vulnerability. For taking no delight in variety and insisting on sameness and conformity. For fearing those who are different from ourselves and projecting onto them what we cannot accept in ourselves. For not noticing your presence in faces as well as in spirit, in feeling as in intellect, in darkness as in light, in pain as in healing, in the journey as in the resurrection. Set us free, we pray, so that we may live our lives graciously and without fear. Amen.
our scripture today is Luke 7, 36 through 50. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. (coughs) Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, and that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor from two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my You gave me no water for my feet, but she has bathed my feet with her her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I will, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then those, but those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Come on down, children. The youth is going to have our children's moment. All right, guys. Come on down. Come this way. Come on. All right. Man, what, what's today? It's Sunday. I can sleep all day. It's my sleep day, right? Actually, today is Father's Day. Man, Father's Day. That means we get some good food this afternoon. That's what that means, right? That's what it means in our house. All right, what, what does your dad do for you guys? What, what is Bella? Lucy, what does your dad do for you? What makes your daddy a good daddy? Oh, no. What what makes your daddy a good daddy? He cooks. That makes anyone a good daddy. What makes your dad a good dad, Kirk? Okay, well, your dad's a good dad because he's your dad. Okay. 
Well, we have a little poem. Do you guys ever follow your dad around? Just, you just follow him around? Some people do it just to bother him, but you're doing it for the right reason. You follow your dad? Does he ever tell you to stop? Stop being a shadow, stop following you around? Oh, my dad used to. But now, I've got something. Ready? Walk a little slower, Daddy, said a child so small. I'm following your footsteps, and I don't want to fall. Sometimes your steps are very fast. Sometimes they're hard to see. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for you are leading me. Someday when I'm all grown, you're what I want to be. Then I will have a little child who will want to follow me. I want, and I would want to lead just right and know that I was true. So walk a little slower, Daddy, for I must follow you. So next time you're following your daddy, remember that he's leading you, and you want to be just like your daddy. Okay? All right. And we have some, we're going to give out some little treats to our dads. Oh, yeah, they're for dads. Sorry, guys. So, all right.
I just wanted to take a second before we take our offering to just encourage each of you. Um, I know every time that we have the chance to give of our financial blessings or any kind of blessing that God has given us, we can be thankful and we can just take time to reflect on what we're thankful for. So today on Father's Day, I am super thankful and grateful that God has given me a father and two grandfathers who just display God's love, whether that be through forgiveness or patience or unconditional love, um, through providing, just all different kinds. And I know not just my family that has been a blessing, but just as growing up in this church, so many men in here have been that to me as well. So I just am so thankful for that. And um, I just hope that each of you will also thank God for what he's given you and in that way and also thank the men in your life. Would you pray with me? Oh, sorry. Hold on just a second. Um. <laughs> there you go. All right. <laughs> Dear Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to come together and worship you and this opportunity to just share in the blessings and the provisions that you have given us. And I just ask that your blessings of every kind would just flow over every one of us in here. And you know exactly what our hearts and our minds and our lives need. And I just ask for those gifts to be given. And I ask that you would just bless these gifts that we give to you now. We love you. Amen. In, uh, in an effort to learn how Americans feel about prayer, Life Magazine 
interviewed dozens of people a while back, and one of the people that they talked to was a 24-year-old prostitute in White Pine, Nevada. She said, I don't think about my feelings a lot. Instead, I lie in bed and think about God. I meditate because sometimes my words don't come out right, but he can find me. He can find what's inside of me just by listening to my thoughts. A lot of people think working girls don't have any morals or religion, but I do. I don't steal. I don't lie. And the way I look at it, I'm not sinning, and he's not going to judge me. I don't think God judges anybody. Well, that's an interesting take on God, don't you think? God doesn't judge anybody. Um, And if you think about it, you'll realize that it's an attitude that a a lot of people find pretty appealing these days. I mean, the last thing that we really want is a God who judges us. And some people say that prostitution is a victimless crime. We often hear that from people who would like to legalize the world's oldest profession. But let me ask you something. If it's true that prostitution is a victimless crime, then why do police reports show that the suicide rate of prostitutes is at least 45 times greater than that of non-prostitutes? And if prostitution is not harmful to its clients, who are at least in danger of contracting sexually transmitted diseases, it is certainly harmful spiritually and emotionally to those who practice it. And it is no coincidence that many prostitutes come from backgrounds of abuse. Something is broken within many of these women. And something that deserves our compassion more than our condemnation. And that certainly would be true of this woman in our lesson for today. Jesus was dining at the home of a Pharisee named Simon. They were reclining at Simon's table for the evening meal, and and they were not seated in straight-back chairs like we do today. They were reclining on their side or on something like a a short sofa, probably holding their heads up with their elbows, propping their heads up with their elbows. But there was an uninvited guest there that evening, a woman that the Bible doesn't say was a prostitute, but it is generally assumed that she was. Luke simply tells us that she lived a sinful life, which is kind of a code word for saying that she was a woman of ill repute. Well, prostitution was a common occupation in biblical days. The fact is that there weren't many ways for an unmarried woman to support herself in those days. And so many of of them turned to prostitution. It may have been an act of dire circumstance that forced this woman to earn her living the way she did, but but that did not keep the profession from inflicting great damage on her soul. So when she heard that Jesus was eating at Simon's house, she decided to crash the party. Apparently, Jesus' reputation for compassion preceded him. And she brought an alabaster jar of ointment or perfume with her. And as she stood at Jesus' feet, remember they were reclining, and so his feet were, were behind him. As she stood at his feet, 
She was weeping so hard that her tears were falling onto his feet. And so she bent down and wiped his feet with her hair. And then she kissed them and poured perfume over them. Well, this was scandalous. This was scandalous. This was more than Simon could bear. He said to himself, if this man really were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman woman she is. But Jesus knew exactly what Simon was thinking. So he said, Simon, I've got something to tell you. And he said, tell me. And so Jesus proceeded to tell Simon a parable. Two people owed money to a certain creditor. One owed him 500 pieces of silver and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to repay, so he forgave both of their debts. Now, Jesus asked, which of them will love him more? And so Simon thought about it a moment and said, well, I suppose it would be the one who had the biggest debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. The one who had the largest debt forgiven, will love the creditor more than the other. And then he turned to the woman and he said said to Simon, you see this woman, you see this woman, the sinful woman who came into your house. He said, I came into your house and you didn't even give me the water so that I could wipe the dust from my feet but she has wet my feet with her tears and she has wiped them with her hair. He said, you didn't even greet me with a customary kiss on the cheek, but this woman has not stopped kissing my feet. And you didn't even put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven because she Because the love she has shown is so great. And then Jesus came to the punchline. Whoever has been been forgiven little, loves little. Whoever has been forgiven not much at all, doesn't love much at all. Now let's think about that little gem for a moment. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Could that be why so many of us are so weak in our love for God? Let's think about this, folks. Could that be why so many of us are so weak in our love for God? Could it be because we have never really thought of ourselves as sinners? We're not that bad. And maybe we, since we've never really thought of ourselves as sinners, we've never really hungered for forgiveness. Whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You know, we may love that song. We sang it just last Sunday here at our church. But, we, but have we ever really felt the emotion behind it? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When did we ever feel ourselves to be a wretch? When did we ever feel that we were really lost or or blind in our lives? 
heard about a Presbyterian pastor who was in his first year at a church uh, that he had been been hired to be their pastor to. The congregation there had traditionally had a prayer of confession as a part of their worship service, but his predecessor, the pastor who came just before him, had eliminated this prayer from their service, and so he was trying to reinstate it. But the people in his congregation resisted that change fiercely. Some members thought that a confession of sin was, was too morbid to do in church. I mean, Church is a place where one's spirits are supposed to be lifted up, right? One woman in the church, an elder there, exclaimed, but I don't need to apologize to God for anything. Well, the pastor was dumbfounded. He said, my seminary training never prepared me for this. I thought everyone knew that we need to confess our sins to God. Well, here's the problem. What if you don't have any consciousness of sin? What if our pride has blinded us to the need to our to our need for God's forgiveness and grace? Well, that was precisely what happened with Simon here. You see, he thought that he was such a good person that he couldn't even see his own need for God's love and God's grace. And because he did not feel that he needed God's forgiveness, he would never know the joy of being bathed in God's love. So notice what happens next. Jesus shocked everyone there by turning to the woman and saying to her, Your sins are forgiven. And then Simon and all the guests began to ask, Who is this who forgives sins? Who does he think he is that he thinks he can forgive her sins? Well, the fact that they asked this is quite telling because obviously Simon and all of his guests missed the whole point of the parable. They were so hung up on the fact that Jesus professed to forgive sins that they missed the point that Jesus was talking to them. Typical, huh? He was talking to them when he said, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. He wasn't talking to the woman. He wasn't talking about the woman. He was talking about Simon. He was talking about anyone else who is like Simon. We don't feel as much love for God as this forgiven prostitute feels because we've never felt the need that she felt. And here's the kicker. In Jesus' eyes, it was easier to forgive this prostitute who grieved in her heart that she had sinned and needed to be forgiven than it was to forgive this Pharisee who thought that he was so good that he didn't really need any forgiveness. And you know, this is a constant temptation of church folks. This feeling that we are somehow better than others. And it's something that we need to really watch after. 
was a young pastor visiting in a very humble home in the mountains of Tennessee. The home was really not much more than a shack. But the pastor took a, a layman along with him as they delivered a much-needed Christmas basket. And this layman was a, a very wealthy member of the church, a pillar of the church. And there were several children in this family. They were obviously on welfare, and, and their home showed a lot of neglect, both on the inside and the out, and outside. But the young pastor tried in every way that he knew how to to show the love of Christ to this family and to, to show acceptance and to epitomize the Christmas spirit to them. But just before they left this home, the layman showed how he really felt about this family. By walking over to the television set and drawing his finger across the top of the set and displaying for everyone there the layer of dust that was on his finger. He shook his head in disgust, and the young pastor wanted to sink through the floor. All of the good intentions he had for showing the grace of Jesus was completely undone by his ungracious, this, this ungracious man. Folks, what we need to understand here is that there were two sinners at Simon's table that night. One of them was a prostitute, and the other one was Simon, a Pharisee. It was easy to recognize this prostitute's sin. She was selling her body and deadening her soul. And Jesus was in no way condoning her behavior, but what was even more reprehensible than her was the smug self-righteousness of Simon, the Pharisee. You see, there was very little hope for him because he didn't think he needed to change. This prostitute knew that she was missing the mark, but Simon couldn't even see the target. And even worse was his attitude towards this woman. Instead of having compassion for her, he turned up his nose at her. And you know, some of us like to play judge and jury when it comes to the behavior of others, don't we? That's what Simon was doing. If this man knew who this woman was and what kind of woman she, what she is, yeah, she was a sinner. But you know what? That wasn't for Simon to decide. That was job. That was for God to decide. That's God's job. And so often we try to take God's job away from Him. The great evangelist F.B. Meyer once said that when we see a brother or sister in sin, there are two questions, two things that we do not know. First, we do not know how hard he or she has tried not to sin. And secondly, We do not know the power of the forces that has assailed him or her. But there's another thing that we don't know. You see, we also don't know what we would have done under the same circumstances. Under the same circumstances that this person might, we might be in in this person's shoes, we might do the same thing. And Christ seems to be indicating here 
that there was more hope for this woman than there was for Simon. And that's surprising. That's hard for us to to accept because Simon was such a good person. He was a church person. He was a Pharisee. He was a leader in the, in the synagogue. She was a prostitute. And Jesus seems to be saying there's more hope for her than it was for him. And in fact, in another passage, Jesus tells the judgmental Pharisees that the prostitutes and the tax collectors will enter the kingdom of God before them, before the Pharisees. And so Christ tells her, that her sins are forgiven. But you know what? He never said that about Simon. And that should trouble us. You see, some of us have come from comfortable situations where we have been loved. And from the beginning, we've been taught what's right and wrong. But that's not true of everyone. Most of us have have had a strong support system. We've had role models. We've had a Christian family and friends and teachers who have helped to mold our behavior. And, and we've turned out pretty good. But don't we realize that a lot of people have not been as fortunate as we are? You remember Ann Richards, the colorful Texas politician who suggested that a prominent political candidate had been born on third base and thought he'd hit a, tri- a triple. <laughs> you remember that? Well, folks, she could have been talking about a lot of us, at least spiritually. Do you really think that God judges us by the same standards that God judges those who have, have been raised under less than ideal circumstances? And folks, if God grades on a curve, as He might, then we had, be, we had better learn to be grateful for God's grace. Because otherwise, you and I may be in a lot of trouble. Jesus told us, to whom much is given, much is required. And all this is to say... That it's our job to love people like God loves people. Unconditionally, without reservation, it's our job to love people. And we need to leave the judging to God. This is the best way that we can witness for Jesus Christ by reaching out to others in in the same way that Christ has reached out to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that's the attitude that we should have in our relationship with others. Loving them, not judging them. Simon felt no compassion towards this woman He felt no need to help her to get a better life. His only attitude was to condemn her. And Jesus hated that. Dr. Robert Dunham tells a story about a 31-year-old social worker in New York City. His name was Julio Diaz. 
And Julio followed uh, uh, the same routine every evening after getting off work. He got off the subway one stop early before uh, getting off at, at his house, just so that he could stop and eat at his favorite din- uh, diner almost every night. But one night as he stepped off the train, a teenage boy came up to him and pulled a knife, demanded his money. And so Diaz gave him his wallet, and as the assailant began to walk away, Diaz said, hey, wait a minute, you forgot something. And the guy turned around, kind of surprised. And Diaz said, if you're going to be robbing people all night, you need to take my coat, it's cold out there. <laughs> well, the young man looked at him and, like he was crazy or something, and he asked, what are you talking about? Why are you doing this? And Julio said, well, if you're risking your freedom for just a few dollars, then I guess you really need some money. I mean, all all I wanted to do was to go get some dinner. And if you want to join me, hey, you're welcome to come. You're more than welcome. Diaz later said that I I just felt that, that maybe you really needed some help. Well, guess what? The kid came. He went with him. Remarkably, the boy agreed. They walked into the diner and they sat down in the booth. And then after a while, the manager came by, the dishwasher came by, the waiters came by, all to greet Julio. And the kid was like, man, you know everybody here. You own this place? And Julio said, no, I I just eat here a lot. And the boy said, but you're even nice to the dishwasher. And Julio said, well... Haven't you ever been taught that you ought to be nice to everyone? And the boy said, yeah, but I didn't think anybody really did it. Well, Julio saw an opening here, and so he asked the boy what he wanted out of life, and, and he couldn't answer that question. He just had this sad face. But when the bill arrived, Julio said, well, I guess you're going to have to pay the bill because you have my money. I can't pay it, but if you give, my, give me my wallet back, I'll gladly treat. So he handed over the wallet, and Diaz gave him a $20 bill, and he figured that maybe that, that would help him. But he asked for something in return, and the boy gave it to him. It was the knife that he used to rob it. Two sinners were present at Simon's house when Jesus went to dinner that night. One of them was a woman who had lived a very sinful life. The other one was a Pharisee, one of the most respected men in his community. And unfortunately, only one of them found salvation that evening. The other one just sat there in his own smug self-righteousness and stood in judgment when he had no right. I hope that God's grace will be sufficient for Simon on that last day when all of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. Because, folks, there's too much of Simon in me and probably in you. And God's grace is our only hope 
unless we pray today that God will help us to love other people without reservation and leave the judging to Him. Amen. Let us sing our hymn of commitment, summer 290, I am thine, O Lord. And I hope that we can all sincerely pray this, not only sing it because the words are written on the page or on the screen, but sincerely pray this, that we are truly God's. But to do that, we need to realize that we need God's grace. Every single one of us. Now, I look out here and I see some good, good people. But you know what? You ain't good enough. <laughs> Not a single one of us are. It is only by the grace and the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus Christ that we have a leg to stand on. And so here's the thing, folks. Maybe today's the day you need to make that commitment to Christ and really mean it when you say, I am thine, O Lord. I'm yours, God. And I'm going to turn my life over to you because I know that I can't do it myself. I'm a sinner. And my only hope is your grace and your forgiveness. And I know that you'll do that because you've proved, you've proved that you are a loving God and you love me no matter what I do. And you're willing to forgive me. Maybe it's time for you to make that commitment today. Or maybe it's time for you to come and unite with our church. To be a part of our fellowship and our ministry as we seek to be the presence of God in this community. Maybe you need a time of prayer. We invite you as we come together, as we sing together, I am thine, O Lord. Would you come?
Right here, preacher left he is. <laughs> 